I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, hello and a warm welcome to the call on this Friday afternoon. This is 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests. I'm pretty excited about these ones as well, all over the course of an hour. Friday, the 21st of October. Let's not keep you in suspense for any longer. Joining me today, we've got June Bailu from Tribeca Investment Partners, and we have Adam Dawes from Shawn Partners as well. We're all partnered up, it seems like. Welcome, guys. Absolutely. do you feel like we're on the sort of downward spiral towards Christmas, Jumbe? Oh, no, we're not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where have I ever said yes? But look at it. Um, you know, I get asked quite a bit. A lot of people say, oh, when are we going to get out of this bear market? Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, Australia ASX 200 has gone up 4% in the last, since July. Yeah. 4%. We actually have done very well. Um, you know, we clearly outperform in this environment. Um, but, um, you know, our market is actually looking pretty good. Um, and, uh, and then now that you look at what sort of pessimistic estimate has been put into, um, you know, assumptions for bond yield, then things aren't you just sick of listening to the bond yield story um, you know all these pessimistic assumptions being priced in um, you you have to say the equity market is really finding um, you know good support level around here now mm. okay do you agree are you as optimistic as it sounds June I'm trying to be optimistic because every headline I read is just negative 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 and from that uh, it's hard to sort of look forward but Looking forward, I think we've hit peak inflation in the US, 9.1 in July, it's now 8.2, so we're starting to see a trend falling away. We potentially can see the top of the hill for interest rates, yeah. uh, which is 3.1 potentially here in Australia and fours. There is talk that it is going to go higher, but at least for this year, we can see the top of the hill. And that means that equity markets, I think, have been, um, I think the economy is actually doing better than what the equity markets think it is doing. So we're just in this, uh, a bit of a tug and pull, push and pull kind of uh, scenario at the moment. So I am positive but I'm just still getting beaten down by all this negative news that's <laughs> yeah. out there. I would say this is not the market where invested like previously, just go and buy the overall market, buy the index yeah, or something, and then cool. you make money. It doesn't. This is a market where you're actually actively finding companies, bottom up, more bottom up. Don't be another macro trader. Mm. You know, So just go bottom up, find companies that's been sold off on various reasons, and you can see value. in twelve month, On 12-month view, you can say very comfortably a lot of those companies that's been massively sold down the growth and some of those leaders will do really well uh, but whether it's come back in six months or three months you know it's harder to see because of the volatility clients can't see that though they can't see that 12 month view we can see it we can sort of see that markets will move forward and move on from this but clients still are getting stuck and I that's think the this problem is a, this is a time where you do show clients that you know um, historically those time is where you know actively managed money is do really really yeah. well right yeah. and then the clients need to understand you know th- th- quite frankly a lot of time it's quite sad to see the retail investors is really sold at the bottom you know mm-hmm. when the maximum sort of pessimism you know yeah. is priced mm-hmm. in and uh, everyone think oh we should sell and that's the very bottom so you know even though so share market is always forward-looking so even though things look bad that's why share price where it is at the moment. So mm. that's why Nasdaq in the bear market. That's why all of these things. So two things try go through the bear market. First valuation crunch 
much we had that we now. Had that. We, yep. I would say that's pretty much done. There's a bit more volatility. It might take some time to stabilize, but that's pretty much done. Secondly, is earnings downgrade. So don't buy a company that earnings going to go down. So mm. that is the next one you have to be careful of. Um, NASDAQ potentially still a bit more downside because yeah. of the consumer tech. All their companies are consumer tech. Consumer tech is going to be a little bit tough. Yeah. Um, but um, but you know, you find the bottom up stories. Um, you'll make money in this market. I don't know about you all out there, but I'm feeling better already. <laughs> I could just sit so and listen to you all day. Um, but I do take your point. It's a stock picker's market. Mm. Now is when you want to be looking at those companies, the fundamentals, to find out you know which companies are going to do well mm. in, the future. in the future. So <laughs> let's see if there's any on our list that passed the filter for Junbei and for Adam Dawes from Sean Partners. So today we will be looking at Aussie Broadband. It was out with an update today. In fact, I like when we've got some news to chew over. We've got Westpac as well as Mermaid Marine. We have Vintage Energy, I had to look that one up. And we've got Medibag also in the news. Now my stock of the day is in the news today as well. It's from the lithium space, the much loved lithium space. Alchem today came out with its quarterly production update. And so it earned $298 million in revenues for the quarter with a gross cash margin of 82%. It says that it's entering a period of significant growth with its NARA lithium plant, probably didn't say that right, under construction. But share price is getting hammered today. Why? Because it's seen project delays, it's seen cost increases, uh, so output is down. And yeah, I, I think it's uh, one that's worthwhile speaking of because this is such a hot area of the market. Uh, Jumbe, what is the team there at Tribeca Think of Alchem? Look, they like Alchem with across the whole lithium space. It's low, um, it's low risk, a much lower risk, high quality asset. Um, and uh, yes, production costs a bit higher, but it's really what drives those companies ultimately the price. And the still remains very, very elevated. Um, and um, so our team like it within the space. But I'll throw in my view here. Um, you know, so this is a volatile market. You have to be very careful. A lot of um, you know hot money going in and out. And this company has done very well. Um, I think PLS is probably the best performing in the last month or so, um, PLS, the Pilbara. PLS went up, adjusted for its beta, so volatility, uh, it went up 50% in September relative to a lot of stock went down 20 or 30%. Yeah. Um, so it's a massive outperformance and that suggests to me, uh, and if you take it over the last 12 months, that uh, these companies have performed incredibly well. So be really, really mindful of um, just all that hot money. Um, it, you know because every a lot of other sectors now represent significant amount of value. And to me, I'm a profit taker. Um, you know, I'm taking profit across the sector. Um, I will probably start still be positioned in the likes of mineral resources, a little bit cheaper, and the catalyst, you know, splitting out lithium and things. Um, but net net, I'll be taking profit across these names. Yeah, because it dovetails so nicely with what you were speaking of before. Mm. You know, mm. you want to look for those companies that haven't had that exponential mm. growth that are poised to benefit when the markets turn. So would you, Adam, mm. be a profit taker in some of these lithium companies? Well, we spoke about one yesterday, PLS. I agree with Jumbei, taking some profit where you can. I think it was up 113% or something, something like, like that. Or something, like, something ridiculous. Um, so yeah, why wouldn't you take a little bit of profit? Uh, Allchem for me is, is a fantastic business and is now joined together. So all of that stuff, the, the Mount Catlin is the biggest uh, of, of their productions. but. The market overall, uh, China um, had uh, 1.9 million units of electronic vehicles uh, produced in the quarter. That's up 107% uh, 
So in other words, EVs is, is moving very, very quickly. Um, and also they've got around about 447 million in cash at the moment. So um, Alchem is definitely uh, uh, fully strength or capitalized. One of the things that you would do look at is you're right, their forecast production was down to 140,000 tonnes. So that's why the market potentially is giving it a little bit of a whack today because it was a little bit of a downgrade. But their cost of production is 900 US dollars per metric tonne. Now, they're selling that into the market at around about 5,000 US dollars a tonne. So even if you got extrapolate that 140 million tonnes, sorry, 140,000 tonnes, um, at, at those, it's some good money that's still coming in and that, that market still seems to be looking really well. I'd be comfortable with this one. Um, Jumbo is taking a little bit of profit. I, I like IGO. I think that's the, probably the better one in the, in the space. And we've got a lot of clients in Min Resources as well. I think Alcam you'd be okay to hold. I don't think there's anything too um, out there that's on that. And hopefully these quarterlies keep coming in and they can still keep those margins high. So I'm comfortable with Alcam, happy to hold. Okay, so I'm going to call Alcam a hold for you mm, both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, uh, let's get to the list. Uh, these companies have been nominated by our viewers. Aussie Broadband is first on the list, and it was out with a quarterly today. Revenue at $184.4 million. Uh, the market is responding pretty positively to that. Uh, it's at a five-week high, but you can see back in April there was that big sell-off that came through. And just by recollection, it was after it put out some numbers to the market that didn't include its... Um, one of its acquisitions, yep. uh, market was spooked by that. The company was forced to come out and say, no, hang on, hang on. Ooh, if you include that, things are looking much better. But there were questions sort of raised as to, you know, how much more growth was available in this business. It has though today reaffirmed its full year 23 revenue guidance of between 800 and $840 million. Um, is Aussie Broadband one of those companies, Bay, that you think there might be a bit of value emerging? Look. Um, Possibly. Um, I do have a few questions. I know Adam likes this one for a long time. Yep. Um, look, uh, it's, um, you know, this business grew really well and took a lot of market share and um, managed to execute over the last many years. Um, and But they, they were going through a period where the uh, NBN adoption was going through. So, um, and now they started showing somewhat slowdown of mm -hmm. market share. Yep. Now, I need to understand whether it's because the NBN now adoption is quite high now. Um, is that the end of the organic growth? Or um, because, you know, if this company can continue to grow market share then it should hold its multiple it should be a great growth company um, but then if you stop growing become a more mature business um, then as a reseller you know you're reselling a commoditized product mm -hmm. then it becomes a challenge we've seen so many businesses um, just couldn't hold the margin and then the multiple will start to fall uh, so for me I'll probably stand by and see um, just because the slowdown is really more recent periods um, and um, you know perhaps there was some you know Adam can point to some of the you know one-off things in yeah. nature. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the, the connections were slower. So mm. you're absolutely right. So they connected around 23,000 connections or customers on the quarter. Um, we were expecting, Shaw's were expecting 24,000. So mm. there was a small, not material, but there was a small slowdown in that. Um, we've also seen that they've done a joint venture with Origin and that really hasn't fired up. And I think mm. the market was expecting more connections to come through. So Origin really needs to get their skates on and really start to push this to keep that going. But that, that also um, helped, they only, only connected around 3.7 thousand connections. So that's not what they wanted to do. And residential and business ads were about 21 thousand. So that was flat quarter on quarter. So you're absolutely right. It's all about those connections. Um, and that really um, allowed it 
to slow down and the market to get a little bit spooked because over the wire, the transaction or the business that they bought um, has done well, but they've completed a lot of that integration now. So they now need to refocus back on growth. And mm. I think that's what the market's showing you there is that they've taken their eye off a little bit off the ball. Uh, the stocks come down. I think there's huge amount of value here or deep value in that. We've got a conference call with them on Monday and then they've actually got, uh, I think it's on Tuesday, they've got a uh, investor day, their first ever. So it's gonna give really a, a ability for people to have a look at uh, Aussie Broadband and get a bit more of an in-depth view on it. I'm gonna stay with my analysts and it's a buy from me. Um, yeah, we, we, we're really comfortable with it, but I'll um, have to give more of an update to you guys on Monday when we see them at 11 o'clock. Did you sell out though um, around April when we saw that drop? No. Okay. I did not. We don't need to go further into that. <laughs> no. Is it a hold for you, June Bay, if you've got it? Oh, I don't have it. No. Um, yeah, no. so I probably wouldn't rush out and buy it. I'd probably wait till the conference call and um, get comfort get more from, from the analyst. Um, I was just thinking it's a very interesting dynamic here. This is how normally in the room with fund manager and broker, how it works. Um, you know, Adam will pitch an idea and then I'll go, okay, here's the things that we uh, we have concern about. And then Adam will come back. We say, we've got this call. Then we follow up with the call and then we'll come to a conclusion. Yeah. Both of yep. us together. Okay. Yeah. I'm just the fly on the wall watching this. <laughs> I'll right. just keep the wheels greased. Okay, that was for you, Gary. Thanks for writing in. If you'd like to write in and get our guests to cover a company for you, just email the call at osbiz.com.au. Now, Tim's done that, and we're getting into blue chip territory here, guys. Yay. So this is Westpac. <laughs> she says, uh, Tim writes, should I buy before results come out in a few weeks? Um, Westpac is like all the rest of the banks, lifting its mortgage rates. There's been quite a lot of focus on net interest margins and how they will improve. Um, in this environment, um, Goldman Sachs just yesterday saying Westpac's share price offers the most value in the banking space. I'm going to start with you on this one, Adam. Yeah, so Westpac does offer, uh, they're actually, well, NAB's the one that's really stealing a lot of home loans at the moment. So uh, Westpac is probably uh, last in that sort of acceleration on their home loan side of things. Net interest margin should be increasing with all of the banks, but probably Westpac is, is going to uh, come off on that. I'm going to say neutral on the banks. I still feel that the banks can offer some kind of growth, but it is only because of interest rates rising and their cash book will, will you know, their NIM, their net interest margin will increase on the back of that. Um, I prefer ANZ as a, a, a play in the banking sector or Macquarie, uh, which yeah, really, really comfortable with both of those, but I'd say it's a hold for Westpac at the moment. We're on the same view here. So I think the banks are sort of more neutral and more hold sort of level. Yeah. Um, it's because the time to own banks. So banks bank has a brief period of outperformance. It's really when the interest rates start rising, they yep. start making more money and everyone's great. We're going to upgrade our earnings. Um, However, this is before people start worrying about recession and slow down economic activity because when it does happen, banks are very, very leveraged. Um, you know, they've geared many, many times to the economic activity or the mortgage growth and all of that or the default um, that is potentially to pick up. So, um, so banks is not great to hold when it's closer to a slowdown, economic slowdown, and we probably you know, Australia will probably a little bit far away compared mm. to the US. So banks is more neutral at this point. They had that big rally earlier on. Um, and now we're heading to result season. I think the result will be good. So you have a little bit of value to come. Uh, but, um, you know, you uh, it's not something that you rush out to buy aggressively. Yeah. Um, in that banking sector, I'm with you. I'm actually with the ANZ. Um, and I think Macquarie, Macquarie is a more growth sort of uh, exposure that you do get um, uh, globally as well. So is that because ANZ has more, um, more potential 
upside in terms of pulling levers for growth because it has been trailing if you think about uh, yeah. mortgages. It's, you it's know, mainly it's, about the trailing, so they've yeah. done poorly, yeah. so exactly. now so they're, they're looking better. Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah. Got it, yeah. but um, <laughs> I think we'll take away Macquarie and ANZ from that one. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for writing in. Let's get to the next on our list. Now, this is MMA Offshore. Mermaid Marine is nothing what it used to be called. This is for Dom. No context as to what he would like to know, um, you know, if he's already holding it or, mm. or what. So let's just go pure sort of buy, hold, sell, and that no doubt will take us to a conversation about the, you know, energy dy mar dynamics in the energy market as well. I would take profit. Yeah. Yeah. It's I done really well. It's mm. done really well. Yeah. Um, as an energy derivative, so servicing um, um, or energy servicing business, um, yep. at one point this business almost went bankrupt. Yep. Um, so much debt, the contract was not flowing through when the energy price was not very strong. Uh, extremely competitive space. Um, it was very tough, like Worley at one point, mm. um, but at least Worley trying to pivot its business to the new energy and renewables and that sort of space. Um, and uh, so that you can see the future. Whereas this one is very much servicing that space and it's done well because oil stuff. Um, you know, a lot of demand for that sort of um, for that sort of space. Um, I would take profit. Um, my view is that um, you made your money. These are very cyclical businesses, um, and um, oil has come off somewhat. Um, and um, you know, it's um, it, it's 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 better to lock in your profit and put into other things. Yeah, that yeah, chart says I, it all, doesn't it? Really? I was yeah. just going to say, I feel like this has flown under the radar a little bit. That's um, right, I was it a has. Bit surprised yeah. seeing that yeah. one-year chart. It's really a specialized mm. uh, business that mm -hmm. they have because. There's not many people in the world that can dive down 50 meters or something like that and with welding gear on and weld a big uh, underwater out to sea oil project like or ships or anything like that so it's a very specialized field very specialized people that can do it they charge for that mm -hmm. and that's how they've been able to make that money and obviously oil and gas has gone through a renaissance albeit there's no new projects going up all the existing ones that are in production, they have to be running at full capacity. You can't have any delays because really there's no other oil out there anymore because nothing's really getting produced. So Mermaid Marine has really taken advantage of that specialised uh, equipment, a specialised product that they provide. Uh, I, I'd be with you Bay. I'd take some profits here. Mm. I, I potentially, I don't know what you would cycle into because you've got maybe Monodelphus or you've got something like that that might but it's they're not apples you like Morley, don't you? Yeah, I, yes, that, that definitely. That was a that was a knee thumper. Yeah, today yeah. it can be a table thumper. A table, a table thumper. But yeah, um, Wally's <clears throat> definitely Wally is. Uh, I guess it's in the engineering space, mm. um, but it's not really in the main. But yeah, so that would be the switch you could do. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Wally, but do you like Wally because of its uh, <coughs> future focus? I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So it's repivoting its business yeah. into the future growing space, and it's in a good space at the moment. There's a lot of demand for its services. Um, uh, you know, I, I would I would say actually Wally. I'm probably a little bit more neutral now. It's outperformed. It's done well as yeah. well. Um, the overall, you know, we'll talk to the in terms of the oil and energy sort of view. I've become a little bit more neutral compared to the very bullish view that we had much earlier. Yeah, it's come back a bit though. 14, 15, come back to 13. Yeah, so, so. it's come back because just on the basis of that oil, um, you know, energy prices. Mm. Um, I think the energy does require so high oil prices does does require China to come back online um, with existing demand slowing and everything else. Mm. You, you, 
you know, uh, OPEC is cutting um, Two things. Two million barrels. Yeah, why, why you know, they Ridiculous. don't normally. Yeah, so I almost feel um, we're getting to uh, a point where, you know, we do need the next leg of um, growth and demand to support the prices yeah. higher. Um, China need to come online. It is probably, you know, so they're talking to potentially relax some of the COVID policy in the last few days, right? So that will be positive. But that's still going to take a couple of quarters to come mm. through. So, um, you know, we, we potentially have a little bit of a, you know, weakness in terms of demand for those things. You need mm. travel to hold up. Um, and, um, but, you know, we are heading into a period that prices kind of looks, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, well supported, yeah. On that travel piece, I hope mm. you don't mind me saying, but um, we've obviously spoken throughout the pandemic. Everybody's had a different view as to whether business travel mm. will come back. I know you've been traveling. Mm. I mean, You've been doing it face to face, have you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I went to many conferences, and yeah. they all packed. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. and uh, I think every fund manager was in the U.S. in September this year, yeah. and uh, there were many conferences, and there was just lots of traveling. Corporate travel is absolutely coming back, but I tell you what, the problem is now that the cost of corporate travel has gone up significantly. Um, so in the next round, so this has been booked in six months ago. Yeah. So next six months, I can tell you there will be absolute slowdown in terms of volume, absolute volume, but the price will still remain. Elevated. Um, uh, we saw a lot of travel companies uh, overseas. Um, what they're all doing, aside from airline, even the hotels, they literally just uh, shutting, uh, or not shutting capacity. They they're happy to run a low occupancy for mm -hmm. hotels because there's no staff. So what they do is that they put up their prices um, and people pay for it, and they actually make more money. So the margins gone up. Qantas made 1.2 billion dollars by yeah. cutting capacity. So this is how they're managing it. So these companies going through a great period. There's still another six to 12 month of great time to come, but the actual volume will start to fall now um, we saw in September we heard that the corporate travel numbers in terms of volume had started to fall um, but the leisure is still very very strong yeah well it's interesting I was speaking mm. with the CEO just yesterday mm. and this was you know off-the-cuff comments mm. about just reflections on the world out there right now and yeah that was one thing we were chatting about you know domestic or I should say personal travel is very expensive but mm. yeah it's got a bite eventually for corporates mm. uh, you know paying to ship people around but I do think it's interesting that you know, all of those people in the pandemic that said people don't want to travel anymore, it will be all Zoom, it will be all, it's, no. it's just not how Always we do changes. things. Yeah. Remember after 911, um, everyone thought the airline's dead, yeah. and no one said corporate travel will be dead. It only took like 12 months. Yeah. less to come back yeah well, even american airlines posted a really good quality yeah, profit just day. Mm. so yeah. um yeah it's yeah it's it's moving um i digressed a little bit there mm -hmm. but i do think that it sort of stands in terms of the next company as well because it's vintage energy i probably should have rolled those two into one very different than mermaid marine to yes. your point but yeah. this is a company that is looking to uh, you know explore they buy explorers Correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I had to look it up. Yep, so so me too. Is, there, me too. <laughs> is there any reason why you would be looking at a company that says its purpose is to take advantage of the gas supply shortage Coast, in the eastern Coast, states, but yeah. they're doing it by by buying exploration opportunities? Yeah. I mean, that seems like a very long solution to an immediate problem. So, yeah, correct. Uh, so you've got one, you've got governments uh, needing energy. You've got countries around the world needing energy. Uh, and then you've got the producers, which are your Santos, your Woodsides, your Beaches, which are doing really, really well. And we saw Santos and Woodsides quarterlies yesterday. So much cash now, just spitting out cash. It's been fantastic. But then the governments have got this issue where they've got all these smaller ones, blue energy, vintage energy, and all these smaller ones that have got heaps of gas in the ground that they've explored, but they just haven't got. And it takes five to 10 years to get a, something online, right? It just takes a long time. 
And so the government really needs to allow and, and I guess, um, supply, but give uh, incentive for these companies to really get that gas out of the ground. And so you look at these share prices and you sort of think, well, they should be doing a lot better than what they are because of the such demand. But the problem is it just takes so long. So I think vintage energy is in the right space to do it. However, it's just going to take too long. And then by that time, time five years later, potentially the world's definitely changed and potentially the energy shortage isn't there anymore because they've been able to do something else. Uranium, there's other, other energy sources out there. And I think they might have missed the boat. So it looks interesting at the moment. There is a crisis out there and they're, they're playing to that, especially when, they, when you look at the share price. But um, for me, it's too early stage and I would say it's a hold if you've got it, but I wouldn't put any new money into that one. I'd be, I'd be pretty careful. You agree? Uh, I'm probably not hold. I'll probably sell it and move. If you want energy exposure, buy the major and you get paid. Meanwhile, you know, they buy back shares, they pay back dividend, they're printing so much cash, so much buy cash. those ones. And in a way, like they're actually quite cheap. These guys actually underperform the energy prices. So, you know, we talk about risk with energy and everything, but these guys are cheap. Um, you know, Woodside, your uh, Centos, much more defensive and they're doing good things. You know, they're moving into new yeah. energy space and trying to uh, do lots of interesting things about their business for the future. So definitely stick with those ones. They're the little guys they're going to miss it. And Santos is your preferred? Definitely Santos. Neutral on Woodside at the moment, but you know, look, looking at the money that they're spitting out, mm. um, yeah, that neutral by Santos, definitely. Woodside or Santos? Uh, look, um, I think Santos. Okay. They oh, do. they agree. Yeah. <laughs> We've been agreeing all shows. Yeah, so yeah that's right. Quite a lot. Have to work something yeah. out here. Um, okay, Medibank. Oh, Medibank, oh private. So this is an interesting one. We'll put the um, concerns about uh, cyber to one side because I think that this will increasingly become a feature of the conversation. Uh, you know, when we we learn more and more and more about yeah. how vulnerable, really, it's it's us that we yeah. all are and our data mm -hmm. is. Um, but Medibank is a business in an inflationary environment uh, in a potential slowdown. But then we're post COVID, and mm. uh, you know, people are still realizing the benefit of having private health insurance. How do you, you know, weigh it all up together, Junbei? Um, I, I, I think this company is a hold at this point, um, but I would suggest a buy instead. I'll be probably be selling it and putting it to the other company. Um, they, ha they have been a big beneficiary of COVID. Um, the people have stopped work. They're still charging premium and then people haven't been to the hospital all that much. Uh, so elective surgery was almost down to zero for many years and have yet to fully recover to the pre-COVID levels. Um, so we know that's coming. So the earning is going down. Now, um, next round, company like Medibank, company like uh, NIB have actually um, generated good margin growth and a lot of capital return and things so they actually financially benefit from this whole COVID environment now Medibank has been trying to give money back um, lower the margin or lower the prices and everything to members so it looks great because ultimately it's funded by the government um, you know agreeing on how much inflate how much revenue increase they can do every single year so they try to do that to appear you know, look great. Um, and uh, NIB just started doing so um, because they kept quite a lot of benefit windfall. Mm -hmm. um, and now they started giving back 100 million or something back to members. Now, um, I think next round of um, negotiation will be a lot harder for these guys to demonstrate to the government they need all these big price increases through for the consumer when they haven't really paid out all yeah. that much to the private hospital. Uh, even though the cost is going higher, private hospital costs going higher, but they just, you know, these guys need to wear some margin pain. Mm -hmm. So it is coming, but it will take 
take some time. Uh, it will probably come in uh, next year. So um, early next year, early first or second quarter next year, you'll start seeing some of the negative earnings revision to come through. Uh, right now, dividends good and buyback very defensive for this market. It's maximum a hold. For me, on the other side is the Ramsey Hospital is where you absolutely find true value. Um, it is too cheap. Share price back down to yeah. um, way below yeah, the right. um, the bid price, um, bid at eighty eight dollars, um, and um, you know, and the share price at fifty five, um, and uh, share price was seventy dollars before the mm. bid came. So, and this company is true reopening earnings, and the just private hospital is taking a bit of time for elective surgery to come back, yeah. um, and uh, and it's just a matter of time. And earnings not going to be impacted by economic reality. You know, think everything else will slow down. Private hospital continue to grow. Mm. So, you know, to me that is almost no brainer. Um, and still a lot of property, $600 million of property sitting on the balance sheet. It's never revalued. We all know how much property price has gone up by. Um, can easily be sl split up into two, uh, Propco, Opco. Um, just there's a lot you could do with this business. It's just uh, incredibly, um, you know, represent a lot of value at this point. So Medibank, I'm going to reserve my judgment because the stock's been in trading hold for the last two days and hasn't come out. Obviously, we're not talking about the cyber stuff. but well, that's, we can. No, but I that, mean, you can. No, I just, but that, that's yeah. the reason why it's in trading yeah. hold. And at, what, what, what was it, 350, I think the chart mm. said, um, that I suspect it's going to get absolutely smacked. It will. So reserve my judgment because I think where the price lands and you, yeah, nev okay. you never buy it on the first down day like Ramsey Healthcare, which I did, which I shouldn't have. Um, just keep buying it. Do what I say, not what I do. Yeah, that's right. actually that message. So, um, you know, you don't buy it the first day, you don't buy it the second day because then there's still further fallout, but it's the third, fourth and fifth day when you start to see the stock starting to sort of trend sideways and they've found a level, that's when you potentially look at Medibank. Um, so I think overall, um, their customers have been, yeah, they're doing okay. AHM, which is their sort of the youth side of things that they've needed to sort of get that moving. And that's where I think NIB's had the, uh, the stranglehold over that sort of younger demographic. Whereas I think uh, Medibank has always been sort of that sort of top tiered kind of thing. So it's going to be a hold from me because I really don't know what the price is going to do when this thing comes out. Of so what you're hold. saying, though, is that it could achieve a price that you would buy it because it would then look cheap. 100%. I mean, I was probably a little bit naive to, to say we won't talk about cyber because I suppose it is something that as an investor you need to Absolutely. you need to have confidence and confidence in management, confidence yeah. in governance, you yeah. know, that they're yeah. they're, they're actually handling this stuff well. Yeah, and, and they, they did the same thing as most of these other ones have done, is that if they come out and said, oh, look, we think we've had an attack, nobody's details have been, uh, in, you know, in breached, we're all good, everything's okay, hang on, trading oh, yeah. hole, okay, now 200 gigs worth of data's now gone, we've got this, hacking yeah. this, and it sort of all starts to unravel. So I think the share price is definitely going to get whacked, whether that's Monday or Tuesday next week. They have to come out of trading halt. They have to tell the market what's going on. They have. So I just want to see where the dust settles. And then we could make a, a real recommendation on, on Medibank. But it, hmm. yeah, for me, it's a hold at the moment. Um, you're well, you can't do anything else anyway, can you? So. <laughs> hey, boom tish. How about Ramsey? So you're in it already yeah. on behalf of clients. Yeah, no, we've been buying a lot of it. Um, yeah. I, I personally bought it on day one, which is not what we should have done because I thought, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit that. Why did that. you do that? Well, because I got excited. Because it's the value. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you're just not sure. Like you, when you see value, you just want to position yeah. yourself and Absolutely. start buying. And then it's when it falls human. further, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you buy more. We're the same. Yeah, <laughs> We're yeah. on the same page. <laughs> Put my mother's 
most money in there. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That's All right. So, Medibank, look, I'm calling um, Ramsey the bonus buy today. Yeah. We've got a few. I just think you're getting spoiled out there because these guys are, you know, giving you lots of information uh, to take away from all of these little conversations. Yeah. But we are one, one, two. We're at the halfway mark. Scroll ahead and see where we are. Yeah. So when it comes to the stock of the day, which was Alcum, it's a hold for both of my guests. Um, but, you know, like think that this has been a very hot sector. So you need to do a little bit of thinking as to where you could potentially take some profits, because as Junbei has said, you know, this is very much a bottom up market. There are plenty of opportunities out there. Uh, and to do so, sometimes you need to sell. Junbei is a profit taker. Aussie Broadband is a no for Junbei. She's got questions as to the growth profile going forward. So she wants answers before she would uh, you know, come out with a decision on that one. It is a buy, according to Sean Partners and Adam Dawes, but he does say it's all about the connections. He's going to be getting more information next week. So maybe next time Aussie Broadband comes up for him, well, yep. we'll see. But today Absolutely. it's a buy. Westpac, both of my guests are neutral on Westpac. Both would prefer ANZ or Macquarie. Um, look, net interest margins are rising. This is a sweet spot right now for banks, but um, yeah, you know, they're not overly enthusiastic about Westpac. Mermaid Marine, it's a sell. Take profits from both of my guests. Vintage Energy, it's a sell for June Bay. It's sort of an avoid or hold if you're in it for Adam because they would both prefer to be in the big companies where you're getting money. They're making hay while the sun shines right now. And Santos would be their preferred pick in, you know, the big the big end of town. And Medibank, you've just heard the folks talking about it. So that is a hold for both. It's a watch list for Adam if it gets cheap enough. It very well could be a buy, but um, yeah, he'll be waiting until the dust settles day three or four. Don't do it the first day. I think we all learned that one this time around. And Ramsey. Ramsey's a good one for both of these guys. All right. So we are halfway. The portfolio is live. All of the companies that are put to this program get put then toward the investment committee if it's a double high, a buy or double sell. Um, you can watch that investment committee online. Here is the portfolio as it stands. So. In October, we, we added Arden. Sorry, we took out Arden, um, which was I think in there as sort of a property play. BAPCOR was trimmed. We added to Washington H. Sold Pats and SciTech Pivot was trimmed as well. Seek was added though. Um, and that waiting was funded by Ardent Leisure and InSciTech Pivot. So what's the performance like? Well, our fund is actually up 0.24%. <laughs> so take it. Yeah, we'll take it on a cumulative <laughs> return basis since its inception on March the 1st. So yeah, please do keep those requests coming in to the call and we will keep answering them as soon as we can. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Welcome back. Woolworths is coming up. Melbana Energy. Oh, we're a bit energy heavy, aren't we? Stockland is coming up as well as Seven West Media. So let's get straight to it. My guests in studio, Adam Dawes from Sean Partners, June Beilu from Tribeca Investment Partners. They know each other well. Um, they complement each other well. Um, let's see what they think about Emerald Resources. Adam, I think I'll, I'll throw the ball to you this time. Yeah, um, EMR. It's an interesting one. Uh, small gold producer or, or small gold uh, explorer in Cambodia. 
So first of all, I've got a couple of rules in, with investing. I don't invest in anything that I really don't understand the geopolitical outlook. And Cambodia, I have no idea what the government's doing at any time going forward. Um, they've still been able to uh, produce uh, an ounce of gold under $1,000, which is good. But for me, it really doesn't offer too much uh, going forward because of the um, overall side of things. I'd be really cautious on this one. I'm going to say it's a sell because I really don't see any major catalysts going forward. The gold sector has been absolutely hammered. I, we keep scratching ourselves with Evolution, St. Barbara, all of these names which are fantastic, but their quarterlies are coming out and they're getting lower production on their gold output. And that's just not where you want to be in this space. And gold should be doing a lot better than what it, what, what it has done previously. Um, so for me, I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't want to be in the smaller ones. I want to be in the larger ones. And even Newcrest at $16 looks like it looks cheap but the production levels are really bad at the moment. So I'm just really cautious on the gold sector and I don't want to be in something that's in Cambodia. I have no idea what's going on. So it's a no from me. Interesting. Um, I spoke with um, Perseus Mining yesterday. They yeah. actually achieved record gold production. There you go. They're doing so in Africa and they're managing to keep their costs pretty well contained as yeah. well. Anyways, that's just an aside. Yeah. But you know, to your point, we are getting a lot of these quarterlies coming through. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think with Perseus, the reason it's good is because you know it's, it's in Africa and they don't really have labor costs yeah. rising um, like everywhere else. That's yeah. why all the gold company production numbers are really poor. One is weather, two is that the uh, labor cost has gone up so much and then they couldn't get enough people. And that is the main challenge for all the gold companies. Um, uh, overall gold, I, I, reckon it, it, I agree with you. I think it does look very, very cheap. Um, I tend to feel gold is something that uh, I keep more neutral view on um, because it's just harder to call and these mm. days you have cryptocurrency you have all these other things mm. but they certainly do look very cheap this company itself um, I absolutely would, would be avoiding um, stick with the large players gold is hard to produce to, to produce and take out of ground uh, you often hit production issues and not to mention this is somewhere so far away um, uh, in a different uh, in a country with such high political risk so uh, so my view is that it is um, um, it is um, absolutely avoid stick with the large guys and they do represent good values at the, at the moment Okay, so if you're talking, I know in the past we've done, um, we've talked about Northern Star, Evolution, so do you have a preference? Like, do you still think that you need some sort of gold in your portfolio? Look, I always keep a little bit of gold in my portfolio. I stick with the big ones, so Northern Star and Newcrest. I think yeah. they do represent mm -hmm. good value. Um, uh, Perseus, actually, from time to time, we have a little bit of it because it's the best performing one out of all of them. Um, but, um, you know, the political risk of Africa and you know security risk and you know the risk is so high on the spectrum uh, you should never have a big holding of business that have that kind of operation in those countries just yeah. you never know one day you know there might be accident a lot of people might perish so you know it's mm. very risky yeah, yeah. government coups everything mm. so yeah. yeah absolutely yeah okay uh, so that's your answer for emerald resources for Denise uh, thank you for writing in again, Denise. Now let's get a view on Woolworths. This is for Lizzie. Uh, okay, so Woolworths is an interesting one right now. And I was just sort of pulling up the chart so I could have a little look-see in the past six months. Uh, it's been, you know, trending down. Uh, mm, we mm -hmm. saw a lot of spending through the mm, pandemic yep. period. Um, but, you know, then the question becomes, if we are continuing to see mortgages rise and inflation rising as well, do people then go back to eating at home more and more. Um, and again, offsetting labor costs and everything else. That's right, yeah. So I think that this Christmas is gonna be the best Christmas that Woolworths and Coles has seen in many, many years. 
and that's due to no restrictions so all families can get together we're about to have a massive crunch on consumer discretionary spending next year so that's going to be the last sort of this is going to be last hurrah (laughs) as it were because the discretionary spend is definitely going to be curtailed next year and and that it's really concerning that we're seeing the restaurants are still full and everything's still going on but um we know that we know that this pain is going to come next year so i think this christmas is going to be very very good for woolworths coles and metcash we saw metcash come out with their quarterly yesterday some good numbers in there didn't really move the dial on the share price sort of just sort of held it there um, for me, Woolworths, if we can get that chart back up again, that actually looks like there's some really good support mm. at that sort of $33 level. Um, but I'd be cautious here. But uh, look, I'm going to go out. I, I, we, we slept, in August, I was saying it's a sell. And, and I think now I'll put a buy back on this at $33. I think that it's, it's going into the right time of the year. Um, they're moving. Management is looking well. They've, they've actually been able to get their supply chains back under control, which I think is, has been really good. And they've also been doing a lot of initiatives out there compared to Coles. Will, Woolworths has been uplifting their store layouts versus Coles doing promotions. And I think the store layout is actually working a little bit better for Woolies. Um, I'd, be, I'd be cycling out of Coles into Woolworths. That would be my trade for this Christmas period. I must say it does look better value now. Um, we're, we're, we're the same. We go short um, when it's just looking way too expensive. It was a very expensive defensive and everyone was hiding in there for the inflationary hedge, yeah. thinking they benefit from high inflation. Mm-hmm. And they do. You know, they already put through the price increases. But the thing is, you already seen food inflation start falling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you'll have that earnings coming out as well. Mm-hmm. And not to mention this is a COVID beneficiary and trading on close to 30 times, which is way too expensive, uh, given you have other things like Ramsey and th- other defensive trades trading a much lower multiple. Um, it is a neutral at this point for me. Um, do I rush out and buy it? Um, I do think the Christmas will be pretty good um, for that particular category. Yeah. Uh, for goods will be harder, but for that category, it is the first Christmas in so many years that people want to get together. There's no restriction. Um, I do think they will do, do all right. And I think Woolworth is a better one to hold than Coles. Absolutely, will be switching to Woolworth, um, mainly because of the, um, you know, this company actually put a lot of costs into the business mm. during COVID. Uh, Coles didn't. So now on the other way, uh, when things does get a bit mm-hmm. tougher this company has a lot more to uh, efficiency to come through so um, I do think it's a better out of the bunch um, but at this point I'm more neutral uh, I just think other defensive are still pretty cheap as well so rather than rushing into this one mm-hmm. it's opportunity mm. cost if you're in calls yeah, and so you won't necessarily be able to buy or maybe you can sell short calls and go yeah, into this okay. one yeah, yeah. Um, we sort of alluded to the fact that yes we are going to eat drink and be merry this year mm. But you don't think people are going to be spending up on discretionary items to the same extent? I just think the things that they bought a lot of that they will be cautious of. And also in terms of overall dollar volume, uh, dollar amount, it will reduce simply because there will be more discounting. Uh, in, uh, retailers are holding a lot of inventory. We went yeah. to US, all the retailers said, well, look, things are great at the moment, but we got a lot of inventory. And the reason being the supply chain disruption, the chip shortage, the chip shortage has gone to a chip glut now. Memory, memory price has gone down 50%. So Korean stock exchange very linked to that whole chip uh, sort of supply mm. uh, have gone down significantly. Um, so this is just going to show retailers gone too bullish, they bought too much, and then they're all talking about a falling margin in the next couple quarters. So they will start discounting early. And I think uh, we will follow suit very similarly because everyone's going to overlook each other's shoulders, see who starts first. Mm. They need to collect the inventory, otherwise by March next year, they just have to literally, you know, 
bloodbath. They have to sell it yeah. all. Um, so for the goods, I think will be tough. Um, going out, you know, the going out thematic. People will be going out and about. I think restaurant will hold up this Christmas. Mm. Um, last year was all you know constraint and everything. I think this will hold up. So your apparel may be okay going out. Your Lavisa will be okay. Let's go um, ask about Lavisa. Yeah, I love Lavisa. Yeah. I love Lavisa. Yeah. Um, I much rather. So because I'm a longshore manager, I short a whole lot of yeah. other things. I short Worth. I short um, you know a couple other retailers, mature retailers that will be ex- exposed to the cycle. Whereas Lavisa to me is a reopening. People going out and about, and it's already growing stores, hundred stores a yeah. year. And those stores, remember, every time they open, doesn't mature in year one. So it gives you that um, organic growth for many years to come as the store reach maturity. So there's a lot of growth avenue for this company. It's a bit more expensive, but much rather to be in this one than a mature retailer going through a down cycle at the mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I saw a tick up in uni the other day as well. Mm, so there's right, been yeah. a bit of buying going into that. Yeah. So that mm. could be quite interesting. On the same side of that LaVisa trade, whereas a younger person, not worried about mortgages, all those kinds of things. And mm. some bit of volume starting to come into uni there. So yeah, uh, being universal stores for yes, everybody out yes, there. My apologies, <laughs> you and I, universal stores. So yeah, there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of volume starting to come into that as well. So um, and the only other one that's really done pretty poorly is that City Chic. Mm. one with all of that inventory issues and I think they're getting through that as well so that might be something that you can have a look at mm. but yeah the, the JB Hi-Fi's of the world or the big sort of Harvey Norman yeah, yeah you just you, be very cautious you want to be really furniture, careful furniture you have to be very you want careful, to be really careful. Yeah. even like in the dares or beacon lighting yeah, the whole cycle, they link to the housing yeah. cycle and yeah. we know there's just a lag between the housing cycle and we know the volume is yeah. falling yep. yeah. and we spent a lot in COVID on that kind of stuff as well yeah well, we get to Melbana Energy. This is for May. Thank you. Oh, this is for Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. May is the ticker code M-A-Y. Uni, May. You know, we've got all these acronyms around uh, when it comes to the ticker codes. Um, is there anything to add to this conversation that's unique to Melbana Energy that would make you either be really clear on a buy, hold, sell for this? No, for me, um, they've got some... Uh, Tenements in Australia, but a lot in Cuba. Cuba. And mm-hmm. I'm again really cautious. I don't know what the government's doing over there. So again, I've got to stick to my rules. It wouldn't be something that I would invest in. Absolutely, absolutely agree. Yeah. There's no need to be there. Okay, yeah. there you go. So if you're in it, you could sell it and you could buy something else. Okay, next on the list is Stockland. And I guess we also speak in terms of Stockland about the cycle and where we sit in the housing market in the, uh, you know, the whole development. But then we can also talk about, you know, the value of their assets as well. Mm. So when you're thinking about Stockland, Jumbe, what sort of primary in your mind? Look, two things with Stockland. So you got, they got a little bit of everything. Uh, they got a little bit of residential development. They got a little bit of office and a little bit of retail. I think it's a third, a third, third. Um, so um, yeah, so you know, the, so two thirds of business is hard assets and the other side is the development. Clearly, um, housing development is going to through a downturn. I think new approval or new home uh, approval is definitely falling very fast. Yep. Um, and for them, it's that they don't do the multi-level residential. It's actually the detached. And this is where the challenge at the moment is going through. So that is pretty tough. Now, the other side, the asset owning side, um, you know, it does look pretty cheap. Um, you know, actually, we think the entire property sector look really, really mm-hmm. cheap, especially the premium end, um, you know, whether it's office, whether it's retail, office itself, um, Dex is trading at something like 40% yeah. discount. And this is way too cheap for an A-grade um, mm-hmm. sort of asset um, that is all occupied, uh, well, fully occupied. Um, and uh, previously was hotly contested um, before the pandemic by many institutions around the world. 
Um, my view is that there's a lot of money waiting on the sideline, waiting to come and buy this. Um, the reason it's not happening is because uh, there's a bit of, uh, um, as we all know, there's a bit of an indigestion in the M&A loans uh, across the investment banks. Um, and once that comes through, uh, once that ease off in the next couple, a few quarters, probably early to mid next year, you will see a lot of buying across the property sector. They just represent too much value. So is uh, Dexis then a preferred name in that space or do you like the fact that Stockland is diversified? I much prefer more uh, specialized at this point. Um, Stockland just seems to be uh, experiencing pain across all different yeah. sectors. used to be you buy Stockland for the residential development and now we've gone through the other side yeah. of the cycle. Um, so why? You know, if you've got premium as asset indexes that is sitting at such a big discount, buy that one. Um, you want to buy retail, you buy center group. Um, but you know, the whole sector has been sold off so much. Uh, we know they have issues with debt costs and everything, but off the sector has gone off a lot. Um, and the likes of, um, you know, Dexas and the likes of Center Group actually have inflation pass through in terms of their rent. So it actually goes uh, have the, uh, the inflation hedge as well on that basis, uh, almost up to 90% of the portfolio has that. So, you know, so to, you know, so on that basis, I do see a lot of value in the sector, but you could just go to the specialty ones then because they're cheaper. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is uh, the property space and the share prices within it just in your view being weighed down by sentiment more than anything else? Yeah. So I'll take a little bit of a different angle to that, that that yes, there's the property is is weighing down on something like Stockland, but they do have a very good land release pack, uh, land re release uh, business, and what we're seeing here in, in New South Wales as well as in Melbourne and potentially over in Brisbane as well, um, that there's not a lot of supply out there, and there's not a lot of new buildings or or apartments being built. And you're right, they're not in the high rise side of things but they do um, will make some good money out of that land release because there is just no new supply going forward. And so that will then allow them to, to, to take a premium for that. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's a hold. And the only reason why I'm gonna say it's a hold is the dividend yield is actually quite good on this one. So for investors and, you know, I prefer Goodman Group is my, my preferred business or, or, or REIT or, or um, real estate. Um, in, in, in the industrial side, that's my preferred play and I've been buying that last couple of days. It's sort of $16 and it's, yeah, I'm really happy. But I think overall, um, Stockland will hold up okay because of that dividend yield. And so if you do hold it, you're gonna reap the benefits of the dividend. Most brokers have got sort of price targets of $4 plus, it's sort of three fifty at the moment. So there is a little bit of an uplift there, um, but I'd be cautious to everything that Jumbe said, she's absolutely right. So just be a little bit cautious, but hold for the dividend, I think it's okay. Okay, Credit Suisse has an ever form, Morgan Stanley overweight, UBS a buy on that yeah. stock. Goodman Group, doesn't that feel a bit COVID-esque? Oh, a little bit. So someone showed me a chart. If you overlay Goodman Group share price against Amazon, <laughs> it's kind of identical yeah. chart. Um, but to me, it does represent value. Um, you know, yeah. industrial property is still highly sought after. It is used for so many things. You know, Amazon is a big you know customer of Goodman Group. Yeah. Um, and then obviously now that they're saying they're not rolling out as much and things, but yeah. still there's a lot of demand for that kind of industrial property. And then the private market for uh, the yield, private market yield for industrial property is very, very firm. So Goodman Group, it does does represent a lot of value to me and especially with the outlook that I think the valuation crunch for all these uh, you know bond-like sort of asset um, has really gone overshoot mm -hmm. so um, you know this is a market leader this is a growth company um, and it's very very cheap yeah. cheap mm -hmm. write that down highlight it and um, yeah okay 
Uh, Seven West Media. Okay, so this is an interesting one as well because, you know, it's been doing well over the past little while. You know, the ad market came back, but now we're talking about an economic slowdown again. Lots of cost has been taken out of the business. Yep. Um, I believe a buyback as well. So, you know, there was a little bit of excitement around Seven West Media, but was it always destined to be short-lived, Jumbe? Yes. Um, so the business, um, clearly as a free-to-air business, is um, um, it has always been a short dated because over the long term it's harder to get a um, you know get, get a pulse on really how far you'll go in terms of free-to-air. You will always have a small component of it, but because of fragmentation of the audience, um, it's just getting harder and harder. But this business was making a lot of money, um, you know, because ad market was going through that yeah. renaissance. Everyone wants to be well. Our economy was doing well. Every company was advertising. I remember beginning of. To, uh, in two, tw- mid, mid-year 2021, every corporate came out and said, oh, we need to upgrade our cost guidance. And one of the big one is sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. Everyone was paying more for marketing and that all flowed through to the TV ad market, which mm-hmm. is directly impacting this company. Um, and uh, no, but, but the challenge is now that we're heading into a slight slowdown, company still doing incredibly well. I heard last year, um, the uh, just a few months ago when the full year result came through, the, a lot of TV um, stations were really literally paying out cash bonuses to everyone because things are going so well. Um, but just looking forward to corporate um, TV advertising is the first one to be cut by corporate if things slow down. Uh, we haven't seen that significant slowdown across corporate. So, you know, but you can say in 12 month time, things will be a whole lot slower. And this company, given pure play in that space, it's just a little bit harder for investors to see what's next. Nine is a little bit different. It's got Stan, you know, it's already done quite a lot of tra- long track record. It's got demay, a little bit of demay. Yeah. So it's easier to see on that basis. But seven, um, it's it's really hard to see. It's, it's really, you know, it's one year earning and after that, what next? Mm. Um, um, so it'll be avoided at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I avoid it as well. Um, if you pushed, I think, yeah, the nine and domain would be a better business. But I, I'm, I, I think it's all way too fickle. And you've got the big elephant in the room, Netflix, coming out with an ad-driven revenue model. Mm. Uh, you're going to see a lot of advertisers moving towards that because they have a lot of eyeballs. 2.1 million customers in the last quarter that they've signed on, not here in Australia, but around the world. Um, you're going to see advertisers gen- or, or gravitate to that model because of so many eyeballs that are on there. Um, and so that does leave the free-to-air guys out on a bit of a rock because then they're not going to be able to then generate the same eyeballs that they can. And as well as with um, online uh, Netflix, they'll be able to quantify how many people are watching it. They'll be able to quantify the sales. They'll be able to get a lot more data. And as we all know in media, you put an ad up, but you really don't know how effective that ad has been over mm. the longer period. So advertisers want to get bang for their buck and they will be able to do that with Netflix. So I'm really worried about all of these free to wear guys. Um, so for me, it's an avoid. An avoid for Seven West Media, which was lucky last on the list. Let me just sum it up before we say goodbye and thank you, of course. And thank you for watching and of course, emailing in your questions. Thomas, that was for you, Seven West Media. Don't forget, this is information only. So this is not this is not financial advice. Uh, this is not tailored to your personal circumstances. So do please uh, get, a, get advice or do your own research. Okay, so Emerald Resources, no reason to be there. Jumbe would stick with the big Australian listed companies in the space. Woolworths, it is a it is a buy for Adam. He thinks we're all going to be having a great time this Christmas and he would be buying around $33. Junbei says nah, she's a little bit more circumspect when it comes to this, so be a neutral with it. Sell calls, though, in favor of Woolworths, um, but she just thinks it's trading on a very high multiple. However, you heard it. We had a good chat about 
about retail and Jume still likes LaVisa and I think Adam does as yep, well. Yep. yep, Adam does as well. Melbenna Energy, it's a sell. If we've learned anything today, we've got some thinking around how you approach the energy sector right now. Stockland, so Jumbe would prefer Dexis, go for quality, go for the specialized over Stockland. Adam, uh, you know, thinks that there is value in Stockland. Hold it for the dividend if that's your strategy. Um, but he really likes Goodman Group, and actually Jumbe does as well. So there's value there as well. You guys spoiled today. You can thank me later. <laughs> Seven West Media. It's an avoid. The big question is what's next, and we do anticipate there will be a slight slowing. So again, Jumbe is still quite optimistic about the opportunities that are available out there and uh, where we find ourselves in the market cycle. But it is an avoid for Seven West Media. Media being hard. I never would have thought, guys. <laughs> Boy, okay. Let's uh, just uh, say thank you, uh, Jim Bay, Lou from Tribeca Investment Partners, as always. Thank you, and Adam thank Dawes yep. from Sean Partners. A good little pairing here. Let's do it again sometime. <laughs> um, but we do have to say goodbye. You can listen again via the podcast or the app or the website. Um, but don't go anywhere because we've got uh, Small Cap in Focus next. It's Keith John. He's Managing Director of Pioneer Credit telling us all about the business. I'll also be speaking with Stephen Scott from Pack Capital. So stay with us. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.